to see you all. So glad to be with you. My name is Alan. This week, I made up a new word. Have you ever looked at the English language and thought, there's something missing? So I've made up a new word this week. We all know what, what inspiration is. We love inspiration. We're big fans of inspiration. It's why Oprah became so popular and is still so famous and popular because she knew how to inspire people. That, that inspiration is just something we're absolutely drawn to. We're inspired by TV shows. It's one of the reasons that we watch these shows, etc. We're inspired by movies. We're inspired by documentaries to learn something, to make a change, to do something. We're inspired by commercials. How many of you have ever cried in a 30-second commercial? They All they need is 30 seconds to do something in us. We love to be inspired by a speech, by a saying, by a word, by a, by a mere utterance. We love to be inspired to change something, to, to change how we uh, work out, to eat differently, to try something new, to play an instrument, to learn how to speak a language, to speak Italian, to, to cook Italian, to drive Italian, and we, except a Fiat. That doesn't count. That doesn't, that doesn't fit in that category. But you understand that we, we have a, a, a draw towards being inspired. We love to be inspired. Last week, we launched this new series that is the symbol of the triangle, which means, which means delta. It means change. This whole idea of of whether or not we are willing to make changes in our lives. And maybe you are currently inspired here as we start 2020. You're inspired to make a change in your life, and you're saying, I am willing, I'm ready, let's go, let's go, let's go. You are inspired to make a change. But there's a huge difference between the inspiration for change and actually doing something about it. So this morning, we're talking about action. We're talking about actually setting a clear and specific goal for you as we continue to walk out the remaining 15 weeks of this journal experience. That's the hope for us today as you walk out of here. And the new word that I have for us today is inspiration. What do you think? That it's not just inspiration, it actually leads to, in, we're going to talk about inspiration today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, help us to, um, help us have the courage here this morning to, to be ready, to be ready for you and your word and your presence and your specific calling and challenge and inspiration to, to action that you want to call us to. We are thankful, God, that you are here. You're not, you're not unaware of our, of our situation, of our, of our presence here in this place, of our perhaps uh, discomfort here in this place. You are aware of all of that. And God, God, you are here. So we want to hear from you, we pray. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So there are two parts to inspiration that I want to talk about today. And both of those parts can be found in a, a psalm that King David wrote. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Psalm 133. Uh, the, the majority of the psalms were written by uh, a, a guy from Israel's history that we're very familiar with, King David. He's the very same David who fought Goliath as a young man and killed him with stones in his sling. He, is, uh, he became 
the, uh, the king of Israel, he was known as a warrior poet. He was a manly warrior and he was a manly poet. And so uh, he, he wrote uh, uh, the majority of the Psalms in our, in our Bible. The, Bible. the book of Psalms, if you open up your Bible right to the middle, you'll probably find the book of Psalms. There's 150 of them. And Psalm 139 is, uh, is really one of his greatest hits. Okay, so the Psalms are songs that these guys wrote as a part of worship. And Psalm 139 uh, remained number one on the charts for 14 weeks back uh, 4,000 4, years ago. It was a real huge hit, huge hit for David. Really good stuff. So Psalm 139, he ends this song with these two verses, verse 23. Search me, God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. First of all, the first part of inspiration is the, the first two words here in, in this verse. And, and David actually talks about this in verse 1 as well. This whole, whole idea of God, search me. God, I, I want to hear from you. I want you to, I give you access to me and my life and my history and my journey. If you want to experience a delta in your life, the wisest thing you can do, if you have a relationship with God, if you believe that God is real, the wisest thing you and I can do is go to that God and say, and say you look at me, you search me. And I, I am willing and ready to hear what you have to say about me and my life, God. Some people only want to hear the good stuff. Some people, when it comes to church and, and prayer and any kind of spirituality, just say, I only want to hear the good stuff. I want to hear the encouraging stuff, how loving God is and how forgiven I am. And those are great good things. Those are great things. We're going to be talking about that more next week. That There are many things that we get to celebrate and, and sing about. Absolutely lots of great stuff. But some people only want to hear the good stuff. The stuff that tickles our ears. <laughs> we only want to hear the good stuff. But the, the dangerous, life-changing experiences of life are the ones when we, where we are open to the challenging pieces. To just say, God, I don't want to just hear the good stuff. Search me. Search me. I give you access. Search me, God, and know my heart. Know my heart. This isn't just, just generic spirituality where we say, come on in and read these things and do these things and everything's going to be okay. Cha-chunk, cha-chunk. The, the cookie cutter kind of Christianity and we'll kind of take care of you. This is... This is specific growth for you and your journey when we respond the way David did and say, search me, God, know my heart, test me. He says, other versions that you might have in front of you uh, say, try me. God, try me, test me. I, I, I give you permission to put me in circumstances, put me in situations where I can learn more about myself where I can learn more about what you're trying to say to me. I will not shy away from those opportunities. I will not back down from that stuff because I want to experience a delta in my life. Test me. I, I'm ready. I, want, I trust you, God. Put me in whatever situation you want so that I can learn about who you are and what you want to do in my, with my life. Test me. 
This is all still part of the, the search me thing. Search me. Test me. See if there's any offensive way in me. Search me. See if there's anything offensive in here. Sometimes we have a hard time seeing our own stuff. I know that you are a group of intelligent people. I know the demographic here. I know our community. I know, I know our church. You are an intelligent group of people. Some of you are incredibly intelligent. But even with your level of intelligence, there are things that you cannot see for yourself. Things about yourself that you cannot see. Have you ever looked at, at somebody's hairdo somewhere at work or whatever? You just looked at somebody's hairdo and you thought, they think that looks good. <laughs> you just kind of look at the hairdo and you thought, they looked in the mirror and based on their own perspective, they thought everything was in line. But you look at them on the side and you go, they don't see how that blends on the side. It just doesn't work. They don't see what's happening in the back and the whole thing is just, really it's okay from the front, but it's all a facade back there. They can't see all that. They don't know that there's some offensive way in them that, that you can see that, that they weren't able to see on their own. We can't see some stuff on our own. We can't see, if, you're, if you have a sore throat, you can't see, it's really hard to see what your own throat looks like. You need a friend to look down and see how red it is or whatever. You need the doctor to do that. It's hard to see down your own throat. You can't see the whites of your own eyes, you know, the, 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 the corner of your eye. You can't see it because when you go to look at it, it's gone. No, okay. If you look in the mirror, you try to go real fast. You can't see it. You can't see the corner of your own eye. There are things in our lives, despite how sophisticated we are, that we can't see in ourselves. So we say, God, search me. You come and search me. As of last Sunday, I have been here at Mountain Park for 14 years. I've been here for 14 years. And in that time, I've had many conversations with many of you. And... I have found a consistency among the topics that we have, where we have had with one another. That, there's, that it actually comes down to one of six different categories. And I want to I walk through these six categories with you. I've seen consistency with this. That most of our conversations, most of the things that we talk about, that we have to deal with and wrestle with, etc., and I experienced this in my own life, they fall in one of six categories. See if you can identify with any of these six. I'm going to walk through each of them. First category is marriage. The number one thing that people want to come in and talk about is marriage, which is why we will continue to prioritize our Marriage Monday ministry. Because there are many here in our community, many people that you know and love, who perhaps right now are distracted or disinterested in terms of their relationship with God, but they care very deeply about their marriage. And so we will continue to love and serve our community by offering every Monday night, the Marriage Monday Experience, 6.30, anybody, anytime, come down. We have, we have groups and classes that are going on regularly, but anybody can stop in at any time because this is a very consistently difficult topic because the marriage relationship is the most complicated and difficult of all relationships. It's the most rewarding it is this incredible, beautiful picture of the love that Christ has for his church. But it is incredibly difficult. It is the most complicated of all relationships. It's two people coming together, bringing all of their baggage, all of their, their uh, 
their, uh, their family baggage, all of their emotional baggage, all of their history baggage, walking into the door, into the front door, dumping all that baggage onto the floor, looking at each other and say, deal with that for the rest of your life. That's what marriage is. You come in and say, yeah, there's no, the baggage is there. We're not going to leave that outside the door. We got to bring that in. It is an incredibly challenging relationship. And if you have been married for any period of time, you know that a healthy marriage can lift up any day, any difficulty, any experience that's going on in life. And an unhealthy marriage can kill any day. The second category that is a consistent experience is the topic of habits. Habits just have to do with, with the consistent things we do in life. In the New Testament, Paul refers to them as the patterns of this world. That we each have unique ruts and grooves that we create in our lives. And they literally create ruts and grooves in our brain chemistry. That we do them and we do them over and over again. And we get some level of dopamine and pleasure from some of these things. And then the, the rut gets deeper and deeper. And the easiest thing to do is just to stay in that rut. The hard thing, the difficult thing, is to pull ourselves out of that rut. And so we create these ruts in our lives. All of us have ruts and grooves in our lives and how we manage them and deal with them and, and, our, and our honesty about them is a consistent issue for us. When it comes to delta, when it comes to growth, when it comes to surrendering to, to, to the, the changes that Jesus wants to make in our lives, have you, you can ask yourself this question. Have you ever started something or stopped something because of your relationship with Jesus? Have you ever started some good habit that created a groove and a rut in your life because of your relationship with Jesus? Or have you ever stopped some bad habit, rut, or groove in your life because of your relationship with Jesus? This is a consistent topic of conversation. A third category is spiritual disciplines. And this, these are the practices in life that are specifically about our relationship with God, about our pursuit of, uh, of God and, and wanting to grow in our relationship with God. Things like prayer and fasting and reading our Bible. Uh, these are things that we have conversations about in terms of, of uh, you know, why, how does this work and how do we do this and I want to pursue this, etc. And what happens oftentimes with spiritual disciplines is that we try something. All of us have tried something at some point in our lives. We've tried one of the spiritual disciplines or multiple spiritual disciplines, but what often happens is we try it for a while, and then, and then we feel like it's not working. So we, we give it a try for like a whole day, and then, and then we feel like, I haven't felt anything, nothing's working, and so we pass on it. But we have to remember, with regard to spiritual disciplines, that it's like some of the other huge Deltas we would, we would consider experiencing in our lives. Things like, like learning a new language or learning an instrument. Things like that. They, they never have huge jumps in one moment. These are kind of things that you, you never just, just practice an instrument and then after an hour, boom, you got it. It's so rare that that happens. These are things that require, that, that take cumulative development that it is a cumulative benefit for these kinds of things in our lives. And that's what happens with every spiritual discipline. That very rarely is there a huge jump in one experience. But after weeks and months and years, 
we experience the cumulative benefit of our spiritual disciplines. What that means is that we need to be intentionally different over an extended period of time before we'll be noticeably different. We need to experience, we need to be intentionally different over an extended period of time before we will be noticeably different. Okay, the fourth category is sexuality. Fourth category of consistent topics that, that we have with one another. At one point in the New Testament, Paul writes a letter to a church in Corinth, and he tells them, flee from sexual immorality. This is a phrase he only uses with the topic of sexual immorality. Flee from sexual immorality. If you were standing in a road, unaware that there was a car coming down that road toward you, and I was aware of it, I would not say to you, pardon me, but my estimation of the trajectory of that vehicle is that it would have detrimental effect on your physical. I wouldn't say something like that. I mean, if I saw that happening, I would say, move, get out of the way, move. I would run and push you over or whatever. It just move, which is what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. Flee from sexual immorality. Why? Why does he have different language? Why is there a different tone on this topic? Because sex is different. In some of the conversations I, I have with people, sometimes people start off the conversation by just kind of, you know, nervously saying, I've never told anyone this before. And when a conversation starts off like that, it never leads to someone admitting that they love big backs. It never leads to someone saying, I'm, I know they're horrible for you. I've seen the movie. I know that I should not be eating Big Macs. And I, I just, I, I, I don't tell people about it. I'm embarrassed, but I just love Big Macs. And I eat them regularly every week. I don't know what to do. I need some help. I need some help. Almost every time a conversation starts with, I've never told anyone about this. It's a sexual issue. It's a sexual it's, a, it's an issue, it's a topic, it's a conversation about sexuality. Why is it that we can have plenty of experiences from our past, but, on the, on the, but if someone has been sexually abused, that that's never a topic that we can just say, just get over it. Just move on. It was 30 years ago. Just, just, just move on from that. Why, why can we not say that? Because the topic of sex is different. But it is a consistent conversation. Fifth topic is finances, which covers a lot of ground. It covers the issue of, of financial struggles and how, how do we get through the next month and what's going on. But it also covers generosity, conversations about about how, 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 how do we respond to this challenge from God for us to do? How, how do I make that work? And what exactly does that mean? And how do I get started? And, and so the issue of finances is a consistent conversation. Many of you have likely heard this before, but Jesus, Jesus talks, other than the topic of kingdom of God, Jesus talks about money more than any other topic. More than anything else, other than the kingdom of God, Jesus talks about money. There are 38 stories and parables that that are recorded in the Gospels from Jesus. And 17 of them are about money. 
they're either about money specifically, directly, or they're about money as a metaphor for something else. But Jesus talks a whole lot about money. Why? Is it because Jesus is a financial expert and his culture and his situation was one that needed a whole lot of financial advice with what was going on? No. No, I mean, I believe Jesus was brilliant in that topic as well. But he was poor. He didn't have anything. And he interacted with poor people who didn't have anything. His disciples, most of them, had, had nothing. They were poor young men. That wasn't why he talked about money. He talked about money because he knew that this is the indicator of the condition of the human heart. More than anything else, what you think about and do with this affects and shapes what's going on inside here. It is and is an indicator of what's already happening in here. Jesus, Jesus understood that, so he talked about money a whole lot. So it comes up, and we talk about it, and it's uncomfortable, etc., whatever. But it, it is a consistent conversation, the topic of finances. Finally, the sixth category is emotional stability. Which is a phrase people aren't, aren't going to use, but, but it's often part of the conversation. It's what we're talking about. You ever find yourself arriving to a social situation, whether it's at work or it's at home or with a group of friends or whatever. And, and sometimes that group of people that you care about, you know, they're not sure which version of you they're going to get. That you arrive, and they hope they're going to get a certain version of you, but sometimes they get a different version of you. Many of us can relate to the reality of, of anger just flaring up at times when we don't want it to, and we don't feel like we have control over that. Or depression settling in at seasons, at times, and for a duration that we do not want it to. Once again, these things are very connected with brain chemistry, and sometimes some of this stuff, it, it does require the pathway of seeing a doctor and, and figuring out what's happening chemically and getting some help with that because it is, a, it is a very real issue. But it's also a spiritual issue because, these, because the, the topic of depression specifically, it has increased so much in our culture. There's something else going on. It's not just a physiological thing. There's something going on spiritually. It is a, it is a life purpose issue. We talk about realize your role in God's story and what happens is when we don't know what that role is, when we, when we stumble from day to day not knowing what, what God wants to do with our lives, it's difficult and it leads to anger and it leads to depression. And so a consistent conversation is emotional stability. So I just ask you as, you, as we put these six up on the board, I just want you to know that, that the point this morning is not go fix all that stuff. It's, it's not, it's not kind of go after all of them. It's like trying to, to keep Europe in the game of risk. It's just, there's just too many fronts. There's just too much happening there. And so Europe or, or Asia are things you typically want to let go of. We want to start with Australia. Can I start with Australia? Because it's just one front. And we can kind of get started with that. So the idea this morning is not, it's not, oh, Lord, look at how messed up we all are. The idea this morning is, look at the six. Is there one of these six that jumps out for you? I said that there are, there are two parts to inspiration that we're talking about here today. The first
first one is search me. God, God, I give you access to me and my story and my life and my heart and my mind. Would you search me and help me identify which of these areas is an area that I, that I, I need some delta in desperately? And then the second part of inspiration is lead me. David says in the last line of this song, he says, and lead me in the way everlasting. The way everlasting is the way that God wants us to live life. And it has been the same from the very beginning of time. It, it is this way that God wants us to, to connect with others and love others and, and, and connect with God and love God. The way that God wants to do this, to live life, is not something that ebbs and flows over time. It's not something that is shaped by culture or by a time period. It's not something that, well, it looks a certain way in 2020, but it looked a totally different way in 1990. This is, this is something that is not old-fashioned, it's not fuddy-duddy, it's not trendy. It is the way everlasting. It is solid. It's something we can count on. We talked last week about holiness. That God challenges us by saying, be holy because I am holy. And God has always been holy. There is a way of everlasting that we are invited to take. God Lead me in that pathway. David says, David finishes this song by saying, lead me. God, don't just inspire me. Don't just open up the possibilities, but lead me. Take me somewhere specifically. Lead me to action. So the next thing I want you to do, I want to invite you, challenge you, encourage you to do, is in that that category, one of those six categories, in that category to identify one clear and specific goal for you over the next 15 weeks of the growth journal. One clear and specific goal for you in one of those six categories. And I invite you to identify a goal that is both difficult and doable. Okay, it's possible for us to be too far on one of those extremes. We want to be somewhere in the middle that is difficult yet doable. If it, it, it's got to be difficult. It can't be so easy that you could just absolutely do it on your own without God's help at all. Okay, if you chose that, that your topic that you want to go after is marriage, I don't recommend setting a goal to say in the next 15 weeks, I will not shoot my husband. That's, that's good. I mean, we, that's good. We want to we keep that. But don't set that as your spiritual goal as a part of your 15-week journey. Uh, pardon the pun, but shoot higher. Okay? Shoot, set the bar higher with that. Don't make it so, so easy that, that you don't need God for the journey. It should be difficult, but it should also be doable. Don't make it so difficult that it is impossible. Sometimes we are tempted in our... In our, let's take the marriage um, example once again. Sometimes we are tempted in, in response to a bad situation or whatever to just grab the person we love and just say, I will never hurt you again. It sounds good. It's what they say in the movies. It's what, it's what young, naive couples say to one another. Marry me because I will never hurt you. 
that's not possible. The reason this relationship is difficult is that you are going to hurt one another. The reason it's complicated is you have the power to do that with one another. So don't, don't say that. Don't make that your goal for your whole life. Maybe for, not, not even for 15 weeks. You can't do that for 15 weeks. We're going to hurt one another. Maybe we can say something other than that. We can say, I will take action steps to avoid what I bring, the problems that I bring to this relationship. Or uh, next time there, there is a problem, I will respond differently. Let's set something that is doable. God, lead me to a, to a specific, clear pathway that is, that is actually doable. Help me identify one of these six areas and lead me to a, an action plan, uh, an action step that is difficult yet doable. Most of us, if not all of us, we would love to hear specifically from God. When it comes to stuff like this, it's natural for us to think, God, if you love me, if you care about my habits and my sexuality and my marriage, etc., then why don't you just specifically say words to me that you want me to do? Why don't you just speak to me? If you're my loving father, why don't you just speak clear words to me right now? Write it on a piece of paper. Because we feel like if God did that, then we would respond to it, right? Imagine, imagine this afternoon, you're, you're, you're at home, and if you have a dog, just imagine your own dog. If you don't have a dog, imagine you're going for a walk, and there's a neighborhood dog who just sits down in front of you and looks up at you. And then that dog looks around and goes, <coughs> okay, here's the deal. It's all real. Uh, it's, the whole thing is real. God is real. Uh, the whole story is real. Everything that you've learned, there are a few things. Alan gets a lot of stuff wrong, but overall, the thing is real. Okay, the whole story is real. God loves you. God knows you. And God wants you to know you need to stop pursuing the relationship with your old high school flame. You need to stop communication with that person. I know it's going to be rough. but you are barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> Could you imagine a moment like that? If, if, if that happened to you, do you think you would respond to that? My guess is that you likely We think we would, but time and time again, we see stories in Scripture of people experiencing that kind of clarity with God. And God sees over and over again, wow, that God speaks clearly to his people through prophets, through story after story, throughout the Bible. And sometimes people look up and they say, no, I'm not going to do that. Sometimes people get that kind of clarity. And they say, no. So when you look up at these six, is there one that is just obviously jumping out at you? Is there some kind of action step that you could take that is difficult yet doable under that category? 
My guess is that you already know. We already know. We don't need to hear from a talking dog. We already know. The issue is, are we willing to take action with it? So what I want to do before I let you go here today is I want to give you a moment to get clarity on what God may be saying to you as you invite him to search your heart and to lead you towards a specific goal for the next 15 weeks. I want to give you a moment to land on that with clarity. So far, I've just been talking, talk, 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 which makes it less likely for you to think. So I want to just pause before, before I dismiss you and give you a chance to think. I want to start by having you just look at these six and pick one. Is there one of these six categories that jumps out for you? And now I ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we want to hear from you here today. Specifically, individually, we want to hear from you today. Father, I pray for any here in this room, just right now with our eyes closed, there is one word or phrase from up on the screen that, it, that we can see right now with our eyes closed. We can still see it because you have taken us to that one place. And so, Father, right now, we invite you to, to lead us, to lead us individually to a difficult yet doable action plan that is in line with your way everlasting. God, would you lead us to that right now? Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for, for searching us, knowing us. God, I pray that you would give each and every one of us the courage to walk this out over 15 weeks, to trust you, to lean on you, and to experience something beautiful at the end of this journey as we head towards Easter, God, that this would be something that we would, we would cling to you for. Walk with us, we pray, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. If, if you have something that came to your mind, just before, just relax, before I leave you. If you have something that came to your mind, I encourage you to capture it, to write it down, to journal it, to tell someone, tell your spouse, tell a friend, tell a group of people. If there's something that's, it'll gives it, it gives it way more power when we share it, when we pass it on to others. My hope is that you have a, an experience of inspiration 
that flows out of these out of this uh, this incredible Psalm 139. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we will see you next time.